Dearly beloved, I'm the Efkin Guy and I'm the host and celebrant for this podcast called Death Is Not The End. And like always, we're gathered here today to mourn another lost soul. Listen to another life story and get down to some sweet, sweet music. Now let's all rise and get ready to sing a hymn. It's a funky one though, so wiggle your bum and get ready to come and listen to a tale about a man and his ukulele. So today I'm joined at the end by a fella, maybe better known to his followers as the ukulele teacher. Today, hopefully, as I sometimes struggle with the word ukulele and many other words, we'll be calling him John Atkins. How are you doing, sir? Dino, I'm great. Nice to speak to you again. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. As we're saying, 15, 16. 15, 16, maybe more. Yeah, 16 years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're going to be catching up um, everything in a little while. But first, let everyone know where they can find you on the internet and what you're about. Okay, well, basically, I'm a YouTuber. Uh, I'm a ukulele teacher on YouTube. I am the ukulele teacher on YouTube. There are many of us, but my name on YouTube is the ukulele teacher. So if you want to learn how to play the ukulele and you have a YouTube account, type in the ukulele teacher and you'll find about a thousand videos made by me. And uh, yeah, that's where I am. Or the ukulele teacher.com as well. Cool. Have you got yourself a Fred account yet? Uh, yeah, I got it today, this, this afternoon. Um, yeah. I was all like sort of, honestly, my wife had got one like at sort of 8 a.m. this morning, the second she woke up. And I was all like, oh, it's just another thing I don't need. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and then about four o'clock this afternoon, I was like, hang on a sec. My job is social media. I probably ought to like get it just to like get my name, the ukulele teacher and stuff. So, uh, yes, I did get one. Um, and yeah. have you got the hang of it yet? Not really. But um, I do seem to be getting quite a lot of followers. So I'm enjoying it for that reason, if no, no other. I was going to ask about this, actually. You've got like quite a big following on YouTube. Very big following. Yeah. One some of us going to dream of. Um, so how do you manage your social media? Is there one you'd specifically go to? Like, do you focus on one at a time and then one, one will kick off? So you go to that one or do you have to do everything? I mean, I, level? yeah, sort of do everything. and I'm, But I'm also sort of backing off from it a, a lot now as well. Um, uh, I do have a big number subscriber number on youtube but over the last couple of years i've been struggling to get people to actually watch the videos and i don't know if that's to do with like the algorithm changing or taste changing or there being new better options for people who want to learn ukulele i know that's part of it actually um but basically i found for the sake of my mental health i've been stepping away from a lot of that side of things um particularly when my son was born for well nearly five years ago um I'm just like, you know what? I don't need to share everything with, with people. And particularly not... Because, and also because, as I as you were sort of saying, I am a professional social media person. I kind of judge my self-worth based on how many likes my latest post or video or whatever got. So I don't want to be... And, and it's been, like I said, it's been doing my head in. Like, literally, I've been very depressed over the last couple of years watching things go downhill. So I certainly don't want to be posting pictures of, like, my son and... People like, well, he's not as cute as he used to be. Uh, only got, this one only got 300 likes instead of 500 likes or, or 1,000 likes, whatever. I'm like, is, my, is there something wrong with him? Is there something wrong with me? So, again, like I said, that's why when Threads came out this morning, I was like, oh, forget that. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, until, like I said, my wife reminded me, it is actually your job to have it, even if you don't want to use it very much. Um, yeah. So you're dead now. How does it feel? about the social media no pressure on that stuff very very liberating yeah thank you i feel good <laughs> feel very uh, weight has been lifted yeah thank you okay so how were you raised raised religiously you know um, how is everything looking to you right now you're here because i obviously see this as the vanilla pearly gates you know yeah. standing at the big altar judging you well that's sort of how i was raised i mean i was a devout christian as a child um pretty much up to when I went to university, actually. And not because I sort of went off the rails at uni or, um, you know, just sort of was indoctrinated by a demonic cult or anything, but just because, um, I don't know, there was no church near my uni or I couldn't be bothered to find one. So I sort of stopped going. Um, but uh, no, I was raised very, very religiously. And uh, I still have... Um, Oh, I don't know how to put it. Uh, well, my parents aren't going to be listening, so I guess it doesn't matter that much. But um, it, I still feel like it has done a number on me that I still 
suffer from today, you know, in terms of like guilt and feeling like I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing or worry that like, you know, I haven't done good stuff or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's been difficult. I was raised a Christian. I still sort of sort of consider myself a Christian, but um, I also feel conf very conflicted about it because I also am quite aware how deeply indoctrinated I was into it. So, um, because I went to a Christian school as well, like Church of England schools all the way up as well. So it's, yeah, hard. It's very hard, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So do you still see yourself going to heaven or hell? Is um, it still there? Well, I hope I go to heaven. It's, uh, oh, man. I didn't know we were going to talk about religion so much. But I mean, I guess it is <laughs> part of the show, isn't it? So, uh, I, I mean, I sort of hope I go to heaven. But then on the other hand, one of the things I always found weird is like at our church, would be like, oh, you know, the, the gift for like um, living a good life is eternal life. And I'm like, eternal life? Like that sounds dreadful to me. Like it doesn't, I genuinely cannot see the appeal because particularly like on a Sunday when they're sort of saying all this stuff, I'm like, man, what have I got to look forward to this afternoon? Like homework and like, you know, heartbeat on TV and just a very boring night. And then like back to school tomorrow, I'm like, I don't want to do this forever. So um, yeah, the, the idea of eternal life wasn't quite the, exciting reward that um they were trying to make it out to be to me but with that being said i also still felt indoctrinated enough into the whole system that um i thought i probably ought to do all the things i was being told to do and even to this day it feels like there's a line in oh, i didn't pick the song actually there's a line in a crash chest dummies song about um there was a man who hypnotized himself to stick to his studies but then he got bored of the routines and tried to drop them because he'd hypnotized himself so effectively he couldn't stop it and i sort of feel the same like i'm so hypnotized uh, but not hypnotized i guess but like indoctrinated into it that i would sort of quite like to step away from it but i feel like there's always going to be a part in my head that is uh religious or at least feeling the pull of uh the christian religion no matter how much i would like to step away from it no there's some good teachings there i said always said that the bible's got some good stories some good things you can learn from it yeah so you yeah can, it was come away from it being a good person but i think everyone really follows them exactly as they should have been solving about like god is good and then it's, it's like oh you're being punished for this it's like why is god punishing me yeah he may be in his image anyway so we're here today and you're pitching yourself to get into the good place Yes, please. As with a life story as a movie featuring the score of popular music. Not that popular, some of it, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. We'll get into your story in a bit. Um, you did say it's going to be lighter in tones of the previous episodes, which is yeah. true. Well, certainly the ones want... I've heard, yeah. Yeah, I don't want everyone coming on there thinking that having a positive, happy life is a bad thing. So, a good, good story, good, happy story. But at this point, we're going to go a bit dark. What would await you in the bad place? If the pitch is rejected, what is hell to you? Hmm. What do we try to keep out of? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess the picture of it in my head is just sort of fire and brimstone kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if I have a particular thing that I'm trying to avoid. Um, we have had someone say it's like going to a supermarket and walking through a group of people. They're all coming towards you and just that for the rest of eternity kind of thing. Um. Okay, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to copy their one, but um, <laughs> I guess I guess loneliness, I think. Like, I spent, as I'm sure we'll get into, I spent a lot of time being quite lonely. So I guess hell would be sort of being eternally lonely, maybe. Uh, yeah. So it could just be like heaven, just sitting on a cloud. Well, that's, again, that's, the, yeah, that's another reason why it didn't appeal to me, all this sort of floating around and... Um, being there forever. Like, I was just like, wow, I don't want to do anything forever. You know, even jobs that I loved, I've never been in for more than a couple of years. So, uh, I mean, I know it's like a bit different than that. But anyway, I suppose hell would be loneliness. That being said, I'm also very comfortable in my own company. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too upbeat for my own good. But, yeah. How about uh, you're on the cloud on your own, but there's a party going just, just out of reach and you can't quite get there. And no one's inviting you. Well, that's just my uni days all over again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but swap a cloud for a very tiny um, 
dormitory room yeah cool, cool. so we're trying to stay out of that yeah so whenever you're ready let's start this pitch you can cue me up for your songs i am ready let's do it yeah go for it one two one two three yeah heard this is so long <laughs> really i hear it like every night before i go to bed it's superman by black lace like i say i hear it every single night before i go to bed it's my four-year-old son's favorite song and honestly when i was his age or a little bit older it was like one of my favorite songs as well obviously pre-spotify and youtube and apple music whatever you couldn't just listen to whatever song you liked whenever you liked so I would basically hear this sort of one week a year when we went on holiday to Pontins. And at night time, they'd have like a disco. And I think the song was played every night. And I was just in heaven every time I heard it because it just seemed like such a cool tune to me. But again, I didn't know, who, I didn't have like Shazam on my watch or whatever like I would have now. So I was just like, what is this song? I don't know what it is. I don't know how I can even hear it again. But it was just very happy, happy memories of like fun childhood times in Pontins. Um, I mean, I always wanted to go, I longed to go to America as a kid, but we couldn't really sort of afford it, but uh, as a family. But I have very happy memories of going on holiday. And um, I don't know quite how it came up, but basically somehow, I guess maybe I was watching it on YouTube and my son Percy uh, was like singing along with it or something or getting into it. So now... Because he's a bit like me. Like, I'll if I like a song, I'll just listen to it to the point of exhaustion. And he will literally um, do the same thing. So every night before we go to bed, he's like, can we watch one Superman or two Supermans? And again, something we like to do is not just watch, like, the official video like this one, but um, we will watch, like, covers and the Italian version and live versions. And we'll be like, oh, I like this one. Or I like, you know, he did, like, a cool thing on this one. There's... There's one where they're on top of the pops doing this in, like, 1983. And for some reason, the keyboard player has got a sooty puppet on his hand. And um, when the guy does the, the middle eight or whatever, he just puts it over his shoulder, over the singer's shoulder. And the guy turns around and he's got this really sort of... The singer has got a very, like, gruff sort of transatlantic-like sort of... Um, Sleep! Give him a kiss! Go for a walk! And he just turns around in a, like, sort of camp northern accent and goes, Hello, sooty. How are you? And... My son just absolutely creased at it, which he, he thought it was really funny, and so did I. And uh, so it's, it just brings out a lot of happy memories. Firstly, as a kid, you know, on ho- on holiday with this sort of exciting music that I didn't know what it was, but I knew I loved it. And then now, as a dad who loves being a dad, sharing this with my son um, and just sort of having happy times. We actually, because I'm a musician, recorded a version of it as well, which I won't ask you to play. Um... Uh, where he does the vocals and I've sort of played like the keyboards and the guitar or whatever um, but one other thing I was going to point out because we've got a few seconds left I guess of the song is not only do I love it and it brings back happy memories but also I found out when I sort of learned how to play the guitar that the reason why I think it's so cool is it is actually like a just basic blues scale like a pentatonic scale which is actually believe it or not like the root of sort of most heavy metal and rock music so it's a very like cool musically, uh, a very musically cool song. So uh, I could also talk about yeah the music theory about it, but I guess it's come to an end, and there's probably only so much you can say about Black Lace. So, so is there a metal version of it then, or a blues version um, of it? I'm into the deep cuts of Black Lace here. <laughs> there's, you know what? I don't know. I haven't found a, a metal version as such, but again, looking through for different covers of it and stuff, um, I found there was a Black Lace album called something like Black Lace, the Blue Album, banned in the UK, which as a kid I would have probably seen on a record shop and been like, this must have the most um, outrageous, demonic, appalling... Like, because if something is banned and it's sort of 18 plus, you're like, I can't even imagine the depravity that must be on this tape. But I found it on Apple Music the other day and I listened to it and it's just, like, ridiculous. It's, like, hilariously bad. Um, the guy goes, uh, instead of, uh, what does the guy say on Superman? It's just sort of like, uh, you know, wave your hands, Superman. But on the um, the blue version, I, I really hope like none of my friends are familiar with this, but he goes, uh, instead of instead of wave your hands, he goes, wiggle your bum, get ready to come, Superman. <laughs> and, and every, and it's just like ridiculous. 
it's so stupid. So stupid. Like, it should be banned for crimes against music, not for, like, anything more than that. But uh, I don't know. But like I say, I'm obsessed with the song, and that's one I haven't let Percy see yet. But uh, we have seen a lot of different versions of that tune, and uh, every one we find something to enjoy in. So, yeah. Okay, this is Juliana Hatfield, Universal Heartbeat, uh, from the album Only Everything. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I turned into a Radio 1 DJ there. But, um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was just trying to remember what the album it was as well. Um, so from like sort of young childhood, we go into my teens. I think I got this album for my 15th or 16th birthday. And again, it's weird because music has always been such a huge part of my life. But up until very recently... It was quite hard to come by as well because, like I said, I didn't like, have lots of money. So if I wanted a record, I'd probably have to like save up for it. And when I bought it, I would listen to it, you know, again and again, back and know it backwards and forwards. And now, because of like Spotify and Apple Music, you basically just listen to a song for like 20 seconds, and if it doesn't grab you, it's like next, next, next. But this was one that I, I mean, Juliana Hatfield, as far as I know, she's not famous or well known in the UK, but. I read, yeah, never heard, never heard of her. Okay, yeah. So, um, but I read a a review of this album in the NME, which is weird. They never even buy the NME, but I guess for some reason I bought it, and there was a review, and it just described exactly what I wanted to hear. And I was like, you know, I think I love this music, and it wasn't even necessarily a very complimentary review about it. It was just like guitars, sweet American female vocal, whatever it said. I was like, I'm. I'm going to ask for this for a birthday present, which, again, was quite a commitment. Um, but I got it. My dad got it for me, and um, I fell in love with it. I just love this song. I love the album, and I love her. Like, she's still going strong. I've probably made, I don't know, 30 or 30 odd albums uh, collectively and with, with bands and, and cover albums and stuff. But um, she's just amazing musician, great guitar player. Not a very good live performer. She's very like sort of nervy and doesn't have much stage presence, as I found out a couple of times when I've gone to see her. But she's uh, but the music really speaks to me. And again, it's funny. I'm, I'm waxing lyrical about the song, but this particular song, I guess, is uh, reminds me of my teenage years, which there were obviously some happy times. Like I learned how to play the guitar. I had I made some friends that I'm still friends with today. So like friends for life. But also it was a time of like kind of loneliness and um, not really fitting in too much like at my school. Like I guess that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about like religion. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends were able to sort of throw off those shackles a lot easier than I was. So when a lot of my friends were sort of like going down smoking behind the bike sheds and getting off with girls or whatever, I was like, oh, I don't think my parents would be too happy about us doing this. <laughs> so I basically didn't feel like I fit in very well at school. And... Um, and Juliana Hatfield was kind of one of my, like, little secrets. Like, because um, like you said, you've never heard of her. No one seemed to know who she was. But it was just something that was, like, my little secret. I loved her. I loved the music. And, you know, the lyrics, uh, there's some... I mean, I don't listen to lyrics much in music. But some of them just kind of speak out. There's a line in that song that says, I'm bleeding pretty colours, yeah. And um, I don't know. Like, I, I maybe it's about self-harm, which is something I've never actually done. But it's... I don't know, man. She just has a way of like hitting me right in the heart with some of her songs, and that was one of them. And uh, I love her. Not necessarily happy times, not necessarily unhappy times, but um, love that song, and it does take me back to my teenage years. So yeah, it's a little little spot of joy in there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, just hearing it in the background as I was talking um, really reminded me how much I love it. Actually, yeah. I have to track down some albums. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Next one, uh, I won't be tracking down the albums off, but just <laughs> <laughs> rip the plaster off. <laughs> You're not a fan, then? Okay. No. <laughs> I, love just... I don't think Sue Lawley on Desert Island Discs does that, does she? <laughs> so this song sucks, but if you like it, fair enough. You know. Oh, it just played so much back in the day. It's like, oh, this yeah, by me, by me, man. <laughs> This is Get What You Give by the New Radicals uh, from the album... Goodness me, I can't even remember what the album's called. But anyway, Get What You Give by the New Radicals. 
going on from the teenage years, this is kind of the soundtrack to my university years, um, which I can only describe as a time of excitement, trying new things and studying abroad. And basically, it was my first time living away from home. So as I guess it's sort of been a theme so far of like being quite close to like a church and parents and sort of, you know, the cloak of kind of this is what is expected of you. Going to university, all of a sudden, I could be myself a little bit more. I could uh, try new things. I just felt a bit more, a lot more alive, honestly. And um, this song just had like such a great vibe for me personally, not you clearly, that uh, just make me feel um, like anything is possible. It just some, and again, like I said, I don't listen to lyrics much when I hear music. I'm normally listening to you know, I don't know, the bass line or the guitar or the keyboards or whatever. And all of that is there in the song, but also there's something about the lyrics too that are uh, positive. And it was also, again, I think I mentioned in the first song, I always had like a big thing about America. Always kind of longed to go to America. And this song kind of, it didn't just uh, capture what it was like to be a teenager or a young adult, but it captured to me what it felt like to be a teenager or a young adult in America. So it just made, like, the video of it, which I don't particularly like, especially not now, but they're running around like a mall in America. And I was like, man, I've got to get over there. Like, I just want to be in a mall and run around and, like, drink, you know, two-litre cups of soda and, I don't know, eat sweets that you can't get over here and stuff. And um, Let's get off the street nowadays. Yeah, basically, yeah, that's the thing. The thing is, and again, the problem is, like, now you can get anything at any time, anywhere. So, um maybe some of that excitement is sort of gone but as a kid America well perhaps we'll get into that in a bit although I'm not sure what songs I picked maybe we won't but I actually ended up moving to America um, when I got married because my wife is from America and we lived in LA together for about five years and pretty much as soon as I got there I'm like ah it's a little bit different to how I thought it was going to be and a lot different to going there for like two weeks on vacation and in fact I got there in 2016 2016, which, as you may remember, I think was the year Trump won the election, and it basically went to hell in a handcart. And I'm going to talk about politics on here because you know who cares? Like on my own channel, I wouldn't touch it. But well, I mean, I, I to be honest, I am sort of now. But for years, I was like, oh, I don't want to upset half the people. But now I'm just like, who cares? You know, the guy's an asshole, and uh, he wrecked the country and a large part of the world. It's and yeah, I think it's 2016 as well crazy right that's like yeah. that's seven years ago isn't it you know so um so basically all the things i loved about america of the sort of the hope the positivity the candle of attitudes the belief that basically you know you need a lot of luck but you can work and maybe your dreams can come true you can you know literally that's kind of the american dream but it just it went from seeming like sort of uh, a good thing to a bad thing and i've sort of realized a lot of the dreadful things about america and um is that the song fading out now? Or? Yeah. Good, because it's really about real. to cancel. Keep no, I was probably about to cancel myself for on too much longer. <laughs> but basically, I'm happy to be back. Like I've got, got friends who would say even worse. Okay. Gonna... Um, yeah. Well, no, I mean, like I said, I've said, like in almost every song, like I dreamed of living in America. I dreamed of going to America. And, you know, up to the age of 35, from sort of 17 to 35, any time I could afford to go on holiday, it would be to America. You know, I, I've been to more states than most Americans. I studied in America. I've got an American wife uh, and son, I suppose, technically. Um, but it is not the country that I fell in love with as a kid. And um, there's so much wrong with it. And, uh, you know, and to be, and well, I don't know. I could probably go on for a long time, but also it's probably not that interesting. No, we're all but, dead. Um, Keep going. All we're all dead. We, we have literally got eternity. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, but I guess you can say at least I'm not a hypocrite. Like a lot of people will sort of say, oh, well, love it or leave it, mate. Well, I've left it. So there you go. <laughs> I've got no plans on going back. I mean, let's get into guns as you uh, badgered me about it. Like one of the reasons we left is because my son is going to go to school and I don't want him to get shot in the face. Right. So um, at the moment, like, you know, he's going to go to school in uh, in England. Probably the worst thing that could happen to him, you know, certainly as a young kid, is he might come home with like a, a scraped knee or something. But, um, you know, the worst thing that could happen to him in America is much, much worse. Mm. And we weren't even that far away from it. You know, um, it, living in L.A., we, 
I came into contact with like gun stuff a lot more often than I would have liked uh, as someone who sort of hates guns. So yeah, I just wanted to get out of there. And um, hmm, there we go. Yeah. No, I feel that way about it. It's like, they say you had that dream of going out there and it's, it's a magical place for years. I've kind of thought that and nowadays you're like, um, maybe it's not so great. Yeah. I've yeah. progressed so many so far the last couple of years. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've had some, I've had some incredible times in the back of a taxi in America. And, um, I, uh, I mean, like really honestly, some just incredible memories met some amazing people. Um, done something it just had some fantastic experiences there but at the moment unless something massively changes i basically don't ever want to go back there and uh and i will because you know occasionally for work or whatever i have to go and do some stuff there but um but i never i don't look forward to it like it's not like a treat to go over or anything it's sort of like you know well it's only for like three days hopefully i'll make it back in one piece kind of thing so yeah, again, I hope people don't hear this and like revoke my passport or something. But um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not what I grew up um, loving, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. But that song "Get What You Give" by New Radicals had a lot of positivity in it that uh, spoke to me and sort of made me feel that anything was possible and that life was just beginning. And uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, at least it wasn't top loader. Oh, I forgot about that one. I should have picked that one. <laughs> Do I get a bonus track? No. No. no okay, no. fair enough. You lose the track for that. <laughs> okay. Okay, next up. Okay, I hate this song, by the way. <laughs> but you did say not to necessarily pick your favourite songs. Yeah. Um, but this it's definitely is... the whole scoring of a movie. And you... Maybe you have it's to definitely... something a bit different. It's definitely what, sorry? You sometimes have to go for something a bit different because it's scoring a movie. Yeah, exactly. Screw movie, right? So this song is called Five More Minutes" by a guy called who calls himself the Mull Historical Society. I think it is just one guy who basically plays all the instruments and stuff. Um, I don't really know much about him, and what I do know, I don't particularly like. <laughs> but uh, this song, sort of, well, after university, um, like I sort of told you, you know, we, we had that get what you give new radicals, and it was all positive and. The world is at my feet, and I'm so happy, and anything could happen. And then basically after uni, I moved to London. Well, my girlfriend dumped me, I moved to London, and got a job I hated, and was very lonely, and sort of depressed for a while. And uh, I ended up getting involved in the world of British... What is that song? Uh, Yeah, I ended up getting involved in the world of British professional wrestling. And um, that was really exciting for me. So like 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, I'd be doing a job I hated. But Saturdays, I'd be going to a wrestling show and being a part of it as well. And it was very exciting. I mean, I'd spend my weekdays basically daydreaming about it. But uh, even within this, uh, this exciting new world of wrestling, which is something I always wanted to be a part of, I was the timekeeper or the MC. So there's only one of them at each show. And um, I have these sort of almost out-of-body experiences because, you know, there's a, a big part of wrestling is the fans chanting. And one of the things, one of the popular chants around this time, sort of 2002, three, whatever, they, um, if there was like a classic match and it would reach the 25-minute time limit or the 30-minute time limit, the fans would occasionally spontaneously break out into a chant of five more minutes to do, 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 five more minutes sort of begging the wrestlers to wrestle for five more minutes to uh, determine a winner or to enjoy the action for more. And for some reason, that would just make me feel very lonely because I'd be like, like I couldn't join in with the, not that I'd want in particular, but I couldn't join in with the chants. And this song is quite bleak and it basically made me feel quite lonely. Like I'd be like, sort of, I'm part of this world and I'm very excited for it. But even in the world of wrestling, which is something I want to be a part of, I'm still, like I'm not one of many wrestlers I'm not one of many in the crowd I'm still like kind of a little bit apart from everyone else I'm just the MC I'm, there are no other if you go to a show and there's another MC there then well basically you're in trouble and that has happened to me before <laughs> so like you're at the wrong show basically and um, so uh, yeah even in this exciting world that kind of gave me something to live for for a while because like I said it was 
quite bleak in London when I, you know, I moved there. I didn't know anyone. I, my girlfriend, who I had throughout uni, dumped me as I finished uni. So um, I just felt very alone, and this wrestling thing kind of made me happy, but also it, even in something where I thought it would make me feel less isolated, kind of made me feel a bit isolated as well. And this song just sort of brings back those uh, those um, feelings of, I guess, loneliness and feeling a little bit depressed as well. Like, you know, I was, two, was it 2002, three, four, finished uni, moved to London, doing wrestling, which is exciting. Being in London is kind of exciting, but also very lonely and, uh, yeah, not super comfortable, you know, living in, like, very horrible uh, flats, you know, often mouse-infested, um, no, no friends outside of wrestling. But again, not many friends inside of wrestling because of sort of being the MC, not one of, not quite one of the boys, not quite one of the fans. And uh, yeah, so again, that song just brings back that melancholy feel of uh, that, that I would just get for, for a second. Like I said, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience because a lot of the time I would be very happy and excited in these shows, but just occasionally something would happen to like, knock me out of it and I'd just be like oh yeah I'm still kind of lonely I'm still a little bit sad I've still got to go to work tomorrow and that song kind of song, uh, sums up those feelings for me yeah yeah I mentioned it with the um uh, Philip Bilbo episode where it's like this dark ages of British wrestling where it's not yeah. the NXT UK it's not the world of sport era it's kind of that middle ground where that was kind of taking off here and there yeah so yeah it's it, I never actually realized that about I never actually thought about it. Like, if you're one of the ring crew, like the announcer, there wasn't many around those days. And nowadays, I yeah. think it's they're all all celebrities themselves. Like social oh, right. media, so they have the followings yeah. of the just the ring announcers, the referees have followings. Yeah, well, there you go. There's a lot of difference if it was now. Well, maybe to be fair, I don't think I did that badly. I mean, we had well, eventually we had MySpace, and um, like I sort of wrote that book and. Uh, Oh, you know, yeah, people book, people were into it. People like knew like I had like a nickname and a character and you know, people would like chant for me and stuff, but I still was just kind of that outlier, even within the world of outliers, I was still the outlier. <laughs> so um yeah, anyway, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, event you was at? Uh well we talk about this on air or off air, but basically uh, like for ten years, every weekend I'd be doing a show and some of them are incredible and some of them obviously less so. But I just have forgotten I was on most of them. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But for some reason I, I feel like I've forgotten like ninety nine percent of my involvement in wrestling. Like I couldn't tell you what matches I've seen, I could barely tell you what shows I've seen. Um I guess the best show I went to was the first and only one I went to as a fan, which was Uprising 1, which is what made me sort of think I can be a part of this. Uh, but as a employee or as a sort of someone involved in the show, I can't even begin to remember uh, any of any of them, honestly. Um, I've sort of got vague memories of like the venues like Broxbourne and... Um, York Hall. And, which one? Sorry? Yeah, York Hall. Yeah, York Hall, I guess. But um, did you announce Eddie Guerrero? No, no. That that was Crystal Palace, wasn't it? Um, was it? Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, but I didn't even go to that show. Um, uh, but I think I listened to it on the radio, weirdly, or tried to. <laughs> I think it was on Talk Radio Live. Um, but yeah. no, I didn't. I didn't announce Eddie Guerrero. Um, yeah, no. I I have very. very very few memories of the actual shows so yeah and it's not through concussions or drinking it's We've through neither of those things no yeah none, <laughs> none of those things no cool cool let's move on then we have an extraordinary song yep yeah extraordinary song i'm guessing this is a favorite of yours as well do you know or yes it is yes, always in my um, cd player yeah well <laughs> this is a song called extraordinary by mandy moore um which is super cheesy. I mean, I don't know if your listeners will know Mandy Moore, but she was kind of like Britney Spears' light or something. She was one of the many imitators to Britney. So, you know, in terms of like credibility, she's perhaps not the most um, credible is artist. She's an actor now. Yeah, but she's an actor now, and um, funny enough, she is sort of more of a serious songwriter as well than like the the early songs. But anyway, uh, 
this is like a kind of a cheesy song, but believe it or not, this was by far the most played song on my uh, iTunes. Back when iTunes measured those things, you know it used to say like how many times you played the song. This was like about 50 times more than the next nearest song. And the reason for it was when I was stuck in a depressing office job when I lived in London, which was a lot of the time, I would literally walk around London, you know, around the office at lunchtime with my headies on, headphones on, and just listen to it on a loop for an hour. And it would make me feel better, you know. I found it very uplifting and inspiring, and I love her voice as well, you know. Like, I can't pretend to be... Uh, I can't, I'm not a musical snob, I, I don't think. Certainly not anymore. I, I genuinely, unironically enjoy song I like her voice like I genuinely unironically love that Superman song by Black Ladies <laughs> but um yeah I guess I mean the song's called Extraordinary she's talking about you know you're going to be extraordinary uh I can't even remember the rest of the words because like I said I don't even listen to the words most of the time but um it reminds me of as I guess we're meant to have sort of stories attached to it and this is a bit of a weird story but um I had one very depressing temp job that was hours away from my home and it took me whether I walked or got the tube it took me about two hours to get home every night so often I would just walk because I was so sort of fed up and I had nothing else to do and I'd have my music on or whatever and one day I was walking back from this job and I was like exhausted you know like I said two hours there and back and this homeless guy came up to me and I thought he was going to ask me for money or something he didn't even ask me for money he goes oh you're going to be uh you're going to be like really famous you're going to be like really big aren't you and I said yeah I am and he wasn't joking and as arrogant as it sounds I wasn't joking either I was like yeah I think I am going to do like something really um, big something is going to happen for me. I think I am going to do like something well and you know without wanting to be arrogant like I think something did happen quite shortly afterwards in that my YouTube thing sort of became like quite big and I was able to like basically live out my dreams of being a huge well I can't say being a YouTuber was my dreams, but not having to go to a nine-to-five office job every day was my dreams. And YouTube sort of helped me achieve that. Um, and, uh, yeah, this song just kind of reminds me of, I guess, somehow, against all the odds, pulling myself out of the doldrums of a lifetime stuck in very depressing admin jobs in very bleak uh, rundown offices around London for some very unpleasant companies. Uh, and somehow pulling myself out of that world and I don't want to say believing I was extraordinary or whatever, but just um, just the, the positive vibe that that song gave me uh, did allow me to live up my dreams, which were getting out of work and also living in America. You know, I, I did that and I also got married. I also had a kid and all of those things were both dreams, but also things that seemed like I would never, ever achieve them for, for years, you know. I did not think, I mean, I wanted more than anything to get married and I always wanted to be a father, but because of, I guess, well, hey, yeah, we've been talking about it as a sort of thread because of like maybe my uh, attachment to organized religion, my sort of young indoctrination and various feelings of guilt and inadequacy and shame. I just did not think that I'd be able to overcome that and, uh, and even have any kind of relationship, honestly, but somehow... Uh, all of these things have happened and it's all because of Mandy Moore no it's not really <laughs> but um but that song kind of you know is the score for that that part of the montage if you like you know so yeah I don't know if you can be picked up a mic but there's fireworks going off this end oh so well, I can't fireworks yeah oh. oh but that's beautiful yeah like uh, fireworks <laughs> are the happy sort of things going on in my life yeah yeah sit down by James yeah I see you're smiling when you heard that. Is that smiling because you hate it or it's okay? It's one of those songs I kind of hear and go, I don't know if I have good memories attached to it, but I always feel happy hearing it. Yeah. Not something I listen to a lot, but, you know, hearing it now, I'm like, that's that's a good track. I mean, I remember when it came out around 1990 or so, I was 10 years old. And again, in the sort of pre-Spotify, pre-YouTube era, you basically had like Top of the Pops for half an hour a week and... You know, if you if you had a radio in your bedroom, you were kind of lucky. So this is one of the songs that were around at the time that I liked. Out of the top 40, I might like, you know, a handful of songs. And this was always a song that I just basically liked, but wasn't particularly attached to. I just sort of thought, yeah, this is a good song that's out at the moment. 
But um, around 2014, 15, yeah, 15, I guess, um, it sort of became a bit more uh, poignant to me, I suppose. Because, um, again, like I say, at the time, well, I just liked it. So it was like a nice like sing-along song kind of thing. But basically, 2015, after not having had a girlfriend for a long time, and I'm talking like a long time, uh, I finally got together with someone that I really liked and was very, like, very happy for a couple of months. Um, and this is as YouTube was taking off as well, by the way. So it just kind of seemed like, <laughs> like you said, like the fireworks going off, basically. I sort of had, like, a lot of time being, like, very lonely in London and doing jobs I hated and feeling depressed and sad and whatever. And then all of a sudden, I, my YouTube thing's taking off. I've got a girlfriend for the first time in forever. And I'm just absolutely, you know, on top of the world. And uh, then... All of a sudden, I just got dumped out of the blue in a very weird and upsetting way, and um, just plunging into a very deep depression. And uh, and um, yeah, it was just a very dark time, like very dark time. And for some reason, I guess I sort of listened to this song. I don't, I don't know. I googled like Siri, what song should I listen to when I'm depressed? But I guess I must have heard this song or something. And for the first time, I just, like, listened to the lyrics. I guess it's a bit of a theme. Every song I've said, like, I don't normally listen to the lyrics, but in this song, I did hear the lyrics. But whatever the words are, they um, just made me feel very, very good. So, like, yeah, you're not alone, and you're going to be okay. And, you know, hey, sit down with me if you want to. And, um, it, I mean, I'm too, when I say depressed, I mean, like, I basically didn't eat for about two weeks. Like, I lost, like, a stone in two weeks. And um, just listening to this song again and again and again... Uh, but things did get better though, and this song helped. And in fact, you know, a few months later, uh, I ended up moving to America, met my wife, uh, or the you know the girl who had become my wife. You know, quit my job, became a full-time YouTuber. So everything is sort of like was okay. But this was a very bleak time because, like I say, after being single for you know years, and then suddenly feeling like you got everything you ever wanted, and then it just ends abruptly and in a way that you can't quite understand um i was like wow like it, it felt like being punched in the face honestly i was like what do i do now you know i, I don't even know where to begin so um yeah this song got me through that uh unhappy time i guess um i don't think i've got too much more to say about it than that except there is a cover version by voice of the beehive which uh is worth checking out if you like voice of the beehive I do. They're one of my favourite bands. So, yeah. Excellent timing. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as we get to the finale. Wow, that was quick. Actually, we've been talking for like, I don't know, three hours or something, but it's whiz by anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, and your final song? Well, second to final song. Okay. Well, it could be the final song if you like, but yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. One end of this town to the other and back. But no one's ever seen Okay, this song is called The Mesopotamians by They Might Be Giants. Bit of a random choice, really, but it's just one of those songs that makes me feel, like, deliriously happy whenever I listen to it. Did you, had you, I assume you hadn't heard of it before, had you? But I, I know the name They Might Be Giants, but I don't yeah. know why. But you hadn't heard this song before, right? No. And did it make you feel deliriously happy when you heard it or not? Not this bit. This is like the bleak bit, but uh, the I chorus... This is kind all... of happy. It's, it's okay. got that yeah. 1970s monkey's vibe to it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, anyway, I've got very fond memories of like walking around the living room carrying my son when he was like a few months old and listening to this song on a loop and just kind of like bouncing him up and down and... Uh, just being very very happy again there's a theme of like me listening to songs on a loop as well isn't there i think like i'll listen to it for like 40 minutes just this one song i like carrying my little boy i think tip was probably at work and um being very very happy and even today even actually literally today i was going to say i heard it on the way home um i can be feeling a bit down put this song on and i'll just be singing along to it at the top of my voice and it just makes me so happy. I have to sing along, and it cheers me up. And also, musically, 
and lyrically, there's some very weird stuff going on uh, in it. Um, lyrically, it's sort of talking about these random mess. Well, I don't know what it's talking about. These sort of Mesopotamian characters, and there's like a sort of two-part harmony that, in my head, maybe it's a lot more complicated in my head than it is in real life. But I've seen them sing it live, and for some reason, I, I almost find it stressful hoping they're going to like remember the, the words and the tune and stuff. It's quite tricky some of the stuff they're doing. But um, like it sort of makes me feel a bit dizzy. Sometimes I don't know, I get quite into music. It makes me feel dizzy when I'm thinking about it too much. But this is one of those songs. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, this makes me feel very, very good about myself, very happy. And uh, it seems good to end this song, end this show, I mean, like on a high rather than a low. Especially as a few of the songs in the middle were a bit depressing. But this is one. Yeah, that new radicals. Oh, come on. That's the best one. That's the best one, isn't it? Um, what else can I say about this song? Oh, well, they might be giants. Uh, yeah, amazing. I mean, they've been my favourite band since I was 10 years old. You know, I got their album, uh, Flood, for my 10th birthday. It has Birdhouse in Your Soul in it. That might be why you know them. Oh, yeah. If not, yeah, if not that, then the theme tune to Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah. The other sort of big. So about once every like 15 years, they kind of like coincide with what's popular in culture. And then for the for the next sort of fourteen years they're just in the musical wilderness somewhere. But so I think they're due another hit in like a couple of years anyway, maybe. But um, yeah, one of my favourite bands. That's one of my favourite songs by them, and uh, it just makes me feel very very happy. And if you want to score it to anything, it'll be the scene of me being a new dad, carrying my son around, listening to that song, and bouncing him up and down with a big smile on my face. Nice. Thank you. And more fire was going for the background as well. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> so you did have another song. I did. Yeah. So we're going to say we'll play this, and this will be the score to um, the <laughs> end. Yeah. Angel okay. Angel story. Well, it's a shame because like that Mesopotamian one would be a good place to end it. But um. Well, this is like the post-credit scene, I guess. Okay. This is the unhappy post-credit scene. This is a song called Black Dog. By a band you definitely won't have heard of that is called The Murder of Gonzago. Uh, which, I say that, I mean, it's just me, basically. I made it on GarageBand with my guitar a few weeks ago. But um, it's funny, because I wrote and recorded it in about two hours from start to finish. And I, I'm certainly not claiming it's like a classic song or anything. But it was just something I had to get out of me, because, um, I don't know, like, I, I think part of this theme of this show has been, like, I'm very happy. Uh, I've got a lot of great things going on like I've got a wife a kid who's just bought a house um, things that I didn't think were within my grasp you know I haven't had a 9 to 5 job for like 10 years or something like I've got in, on the surface nothing much to complain about but even when you're sort of happy when things are going well occasionally you just feel what I guess I call the black dog you know nipping at your heels which is is black dog is that like a common um, metaphor for depression because I, I used it for someone the other day and I had no idea what I was talking about. But have you heard, like, depression called the black dog? Or No. Oh, okay. In that case, the song doesn't mean anything. Okay. It's basically, it's meant, to be, <laughs> it's meant to be about, like, you know, the black dog wants to come out and play, wants to, like, come and bite you and, like, hang out. And it's just, like, a feeling I got the other week. It was like, man, everything is going great, but, like, I just feel like something bad's going to happen. I feel, like, um, you know, depressed. Like, some, like, I'm just not feeling good. And this song talking about the black dog which is meant to symbolise depression but apparently no one except me knows that um, is uh, yeah a song about that um, but that said this song hopefully is a very fun song to listen to and uh, sometimes you know when you are feeling down you want to hear something that's sort of lively and fun and um, stu- a bit stupid as well and uh, there, there's some swearing in it as well I don't normally swear but I improvised the uh, lyrics the bomb <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wiggle your bum, get ready to come, black dog. Um, so, and also, again, weirdly, we haven't really talked about too much about my weird musical taste, but I feel like there's a lot of songs that I like, which is basically a sort of camp American guy yelling at a dog. So I don't know if you have come across any other songs like that, but um, there's like um, Keisha Lorraine by the B-52s. There's something by Was Not Was where it talks about like, uh, there's something where he's like yelling, and there's, there's a, another song on an album by a band called Martini Ranch where they talk about um, just dogs. And I don't know, I just feel like there's always like a filler spoken word track on a lot of albums that I like, which is just the singer who can't really sing very well yelling about 
either at or to or about a dog. And um, yeah, I made that little song up and um, it's basically just yelling and very energetic music so that when I'm feeling down, I can listen to it and just start shaking my head, have a little dance and uh, hopefully feel a bit better. And it does work genuinely. So, yeah. Did you like that song, Dino? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's cold. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for playing it anyway. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll play the play the show out on it. Everyone wow, enjoy okay. it. Yeah, it's okay. good. It's, it's got a certain punk feel to it. Certain punk feel, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that was my last choice of song. Okay, thank you for coming on and telling your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Okay, uh, I think yeah, you can go to heaven. Go for it. Oh, you can go to that party much. next door. Thank you very much. Wow, the door is opening. There's Amazing. a light shining through it. Amazing. The only oh no, I just realised the trouble is though. Parties are my own personal hell. I just remembered that. <laughs> I hate going to parties. I always feel so lonely. <laughs> I don't like to talk to people. I just hang out against the wall and, and you know, I feel too guilty to drink alcohol. So, uh, oh, I, I've accidentally been to hell. I've blown it. Blown it. It could only happen to me. So apparently reading online, um, yes, the black dog is a symbol for depression. The things we learn on these shows, eh? I'd like to thank John today for coming on and sharing his story. And thanks to you, the listener. And I don't say this enough. What the hell are you doing in the bathroom day and night? Why don't you get out of there and give someone else a chance? And also, like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your other award-winning podcasts from. I've been that king guy. And you can find all my guff on totalcultzone.com. It's a one-stop shop for all things me. Oh, worth it.